Hey kiddos, welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Drayton. And welcome. Welcome. We're here. The end of December. I know. Christmas, Christmas will have happened yes. by the time this comes out. Yes, right around the corner. We have not actually experienced Christmas yet, so we can't tell you what that was like. But I hope you're wonderful if you partake. And if you don't partake, I hope you had a lovely week. Lovely holiday, whatever. Yeah, yeah. sure, whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We might have a white Christmas this year, kind of. We'll yeah, see. in New York, it's supposed to it's supposed to snow in Christmas. I'm very excited. We also have a little bit of standing snow still from yes. last week. Yeah. From last week. Yeah, like there's still some snow on the ground here, and it doesn't look gross yet, which is nice. Like Not parts really. of it do. I made the mistake of going out in sneakers today, though, and I almost busted my ass. Oh, like immediately. No. Yeah, it was one of those. It was like a little patch of ice looked just like a little wet spot on the concrete. I was like, oh, it's water. I can step in it. It's fine. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Well, that's spot on. Um, have you watched anything? Uh, don't hate me. I'm still so deep in my survivor kick. I can't even. It's I fine. I can't even. I keep meaning to watch Heaven's Gate, and I and I didn't. You're not watching true crime all the time. All the time. No, I fucking I dare you, Amy. <laughs> Took a little break. I've been in a, deep, as I said, a deep survivor binge. So is this? Are you watching like backlog episodes, or, or is this? Oh up yes. Today? Oh oh yes. This is a deep dive. It's a great show, by the way. In case you forgot <laughs> how amazing it is, like go back and watch Survivor. Ugh, the drama. I've I've never seen Survivor. I'm I am perpetually late to the party and a late bloomer. Just as a, a rule of my life. Okay, we bonded over both of our late bloomer yeah. aspect in life. So yeah, I yeah, appreciate yeah. this about so, you. So, like, I, over the weekend, watched Queen's Gambit. Ooh. Did you like it? I enjoyed it. I didn't, like, love it <gasps> to the point that I was going to buy a chess set. Because I saw that chess sets sales went up, like, 1,500%. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm obsessed with games. Pretty much every fucking game. I am not. Except chess. Yeah. I don't care for it. I know the rules. I know theoretically how to play. It's yeah. just too stressful to me. Like, Bananagrams, yes. Scrabble, yes. Rummy <laughs> Cube, yes. Racco, yes. Like, any... Azul. Like, give me a fucking game. I'm all about it. Set, Oh, I am goddamn dangerous. My family does not play with me to this day because I'm such a fucking set fiend. It's ridiculous. I don't even know what that is. I am not a game person. I hate <laughs> games. Very emphatically, the worst thing you could ever do to me is invite me to a party and I show up and they're like, let's play Scrabble. It's that is games, the game worst night. fucking shit in the world. I hate games. I have a problem with rules and authority. Probably because my family <laughs> escaped communism. I fucking hate games so much. So I don't even think it was that. I was just like, you know, I thought it was well made. I thought it was well acted. She's phenomenal. In She's it. great in she it. Great job. It's set in the '60s, so the outfits are mm, killer. The decor in that show, also, Gorgeous. like all of the floral wallpaper oh, yeah. and just ev- the rooms being an entire color. I thought yeah. it was very beautiful, very visually appealing. But honestly, I felt that her friend Jolene, I believe the actress's name, and if I get it wrong, I'm so fucking sorry. I believe it's Moses Ingram. The actress who played Jolene brought big dick energy to every (laughs) fucking scene she was in and stole every fucking scene she was in. I want, and I know that her character, the trope, is super problematic, but I want a series on Jolene. Like, I want a spinoff Jolene. I want a Jolene series. And, like, when she was, like, the guy who owns the law firm that she works at is this white guy who's married and he's in love with her and he's going to leave his wife. 
And then whatever the main chick's name is. God, I like don't even. I watched it. it when it first came out, so it's been a while. So whatever her I, name is. I have um, Survivor contestants' names in my head right now. <laughs> I can't. There's only so much room up there. Pick a Survivor <laughs> contestant. We'll summon the name. Jolene's is, uh, in case you haven't seen it, she's a, a woman of color. She's an African-American woman. And she had became a paralegal and is going to go to law school so that she can like fight the system and fight institutionalized yes. racism. Uh, and yes. she's just like a fucking badass, big dick energy. And I'm fucking obsessed with her. And she's talking about possibly marrying this white, rich white guy. And the protagonist asks like, well, what will your like radical friends, because Jolene refers to herself as a radical, what will your radical friends think that you're marrying this like rich white guy? And she was like, fuck them if they can't take a joke. And I was like, Jolene! <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. I need like 14 episodes on Jolene right now. I love like, that. That's what I need. So I saw that. I started watching The Crown. Again, late to the party. I've tried so many times mm-hmm. and I've heard so many amazing things. And yeah. every single time I just get distracted and I end up doing something else and I have no idea what's going on so, in the next episode. Let me tell you, I was just going to watch this season that just came Diana, out. Because I'm like, I want the hot Diana Goss. Yes. Like, that's what I want. Of course. So I started Who watching. Who does it, Monique? Fuck. Son of a bitch. And here's the thing. Realistically... In the time period that I was a child, you know, Diana was a huge thing. She was just a topic of conversation on the regular. Like, every woman who was, like, my mother's age was obsessed. And she was like, that's what you want to be is you want to be, like, Diana. So I know a lot of it anyway. Like, the odds are that I'm going to know all of it. But I was like, I want the fucking hot Diana Goss. I'm not surprised in any way, shape, or form. Of course. Yeah. And so I start start the first episode. And I'm like, I don't know who any of these characters are. Oh, I don't know who's playing who. And I was like, yeah, okay, I should that was back. fucking stupid. So I need to start from the beginning. So I'm a few, I'm maybe like five or six episodes into the first season. I enjoy it. However, it is very triggering for me in seeing these grown adults being like, mommy, will you let me do whatever the fuck? And I'm like, you're an adult. <laughs> who gives a fuck? You're the queen. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to ask Actually, yeah. And it's like tradition, that doesn't mean anything. That's things that people made up. Everything. Yes. And yet, but that's the thing, it means everything. You can't marry this person because what will people think? And I'm like, fuck you, you're an adult. Do whatever the fuck you want. If you're not hurting other people, who gives a shit? Having the prime minister weigh in on whether or not your husband can take flying uh, lessons? Go fuck yourself. Are yeah. you kidding me? Go yeah. fuck yourself. This is out of control. So then that's... you can see like what they were dealing of with. Of course. This fucking bullshit. Like I literally can't even live my life. I can't even take fucking pilot lessons if I want to. I have to fucking ask somebody for your permission. Like... Of course. And yes, of course that's the point of it. Yeah. But it's just very frustrating oh, to yeah. watch. I'm just like, ugh. I'm so just grossed out by all of it. And I don't know if that's the point. Because I also, yeah. I never understood Spanish people are very into the monarchy and Americans are very into the monarchy. And I'm like, didn't we give them the fuck you though? Like yeah. Cubans gave the monarchy the fuck you. The US gave the monarchy the fuck you. So why is everyone getting up at four in the morning to watch the fucking royal wedding? Who gives a fuck? Like we are not supposed to be bad. <laughs> like we in fact like are like some sort of like deep seated. Yeah. And like I, daddy issues apparently. Or like, like Disney oh, princess yes. issues. I mean. That might be true. Yeah. That might be true. I think we all secretly want to be a princess somewhere. No? I grew up being brainwashed into that. Yes. Being what I was supposed to want. Did you dress up as a Disney character every year for Halloween? Real not, talk. Not every year. Because uh, I know you love Disney. For sure. 
I definitely dressed up as Belle one year. I'm a brunette, so obvi. Yes. And my grandmother was a seamstress, and she was oh, like, gazing. so she yeah, used to make my fucking costumes, out. and they were incredible. Uh, I think. I feel like Belle was almost the only person I wasn't really. Belle, I definitely did the Little Mermaid. Fuck yeah, that was my favorite. Of course. Ariel, of course. Jasmine. Mm-mm. Oh my god! I did not do Jasmine. I did <sighs> Jasmine do... like three years in a row, baby. Let's I mean, do this. Girl, I'm obsessed. She uh, had a fucking tiger. Like, who didn't want a tiger? Ah, <laughs> uh, that was my dream. That's when I Tiger King came out, and I found out you could buy one for two thousand dollars. Like, you're like, why? I had a dog that? that was almost that expensive. Like, what for? Like, fucking three hundred dollars because I had a fucking tiger. Is that what you're telling me? Crazy. <laughs> oh my god. Crazy. That's horrifying. I know that um, is horrifying, and that is an exorbitant amount to pay for a dog. I realize. To be fair, that was the greatest fucking dog, and that dog was the goddamn love of my life. Well, I hope so. You yes. made enough money. <laughs> it's money well spent. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I was another Disney princess. I, I think it was just Ariel and and Belle, and it was like the year it came out. Yes. You know, I wasn't. Rocked Pocahontas, rocked Megara because she was so snarky. She was a fucking I, Oh, I loved her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was all about. I think I even had like. The Megara shoes too. Fuck I yeah, was, yeah. I definitely had the Megara doll. Ooh yeah, she's a bamf. Um, she was. She didn't take shit from anybody. No, loved it. I love it. Oh, so good. I watched Freaky without you. <gasps> How was that? It was good. I really liked it. Okay. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Like you kind of know what you're getting. Surprisingly gory. I did enjoy some of the kills in oh. Freaky, and I Vince Vaughn did a fucking great job. I thought he was very entertaining. That's great. Yeah. I was sad you missed it, but... And that's okay, because it was like two in the it was, and I needed yes. to go. <laughs> and it was a rental thing, so we only had a certain amount of time to watch it. Right. And I did realize that we never watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang together. There is still time for that. Though. There is still time. Christmas isn't over yet. And it's good all year round. Good. I still Robert Downey Jr. is good all year round, baby. <gasps> Get the HVAC because this that basement is, is fucking I didn't realize flooded. Robert Downey Jr. was in it, and now that you've said that, that actually sounds super familiar. I Maybe I have seen this. I definitely don't remember it, though, so... It's Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. And he's, like, very young in it, right? Like, no. No, this is post... Post-clink. Post oh, post yeah. Clink. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is, like, on his way to, like, the comeback. I do love me some Robert Downey Jr., though. Fuck. Who doesn't? I know. He's Ugh. fucking... Iron Man, like goddamn. Oh, speaking of Marvel, I don't know if you, you probably haven't seen the Loki trailer. No. But we discussed DB Cooper, obviously, because you mm-hmm. wanted to talk about it last week, and they have a little like shout out to him jumping out of a plane with a bunch of money, which I think is the implication that Loki is actually DB Cooper. <laughs> That's pretty rad. Which I enjoyed. I was like had a little laugh over that. Which actually, speaking of Marvel, a good friend of mine. Zenobia Shroff just got cast in Miss Marvel. <gasps> she's playing her Shit. mom. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, she's a fucking Congratulations to her. Fuck. Brilliant actress. And I did a show with her a few years back. And it was one of those things like she's been pounding the pavements for 25 years. And then on a self-submission, she Shut got up. cast in The Big Sick by Judd Apatow. Damn. And then after that, and that fucking like, blew up too when it came yeah. out. Yeah. And she just, and then it was just like, she had five agencies fighting over her. Uh, it's the raddest fucking story in the world. And I'm so, so happy. So yeah, so she, she knew it for a while. And a lot of times when you book something, you're not allowed to say what you're working on. So she was able to drop the news recently that she got cast in Miss Marvel. And like, that's rad That's fuck. amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Zenobia. Get it, girl. I'm so proud yes, of you. Yes, congrats. Yeah. Fuck. That's so cool. I know, fuck. 
So I guess I have to watch a Marvel movie now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whoops. You have to watch all of them. And there's... How? That's like four years lot. of my life. Oh my god. Do you know... Up until Avengers Endgame came out, because Johnny is obsessed with Marvel movies, do you know how many times I had to watch every single Marvel movie leading up that to... That would have caused a breakup in like four seconds. I'd be like, I, Why to you be fair, I enjoy all of those movies, but it was one of those where he was putting on Iron Man for like the fourth time that week, and I was like, like it's been a lot. Can we oh, just not Iron watch Man's it? So good. It's so good. It was. I haven't seen it in a very long time, though. Uh, no, it's amazing. It was amazing. It was only because I had like, we had just watched it that I didn't want to watch it. Yeah, of and course. He was like, okay, I will turn it off if you can tell me what the bad guy's name is in the movie. And despite, one, having seen it before this many times, and watching it the week before, I couldn't fucking tell him and he, I made me watch it all over again. What a dick. I would have been like, it's Jack Bridges. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I fucking know. Uh, I remember I went to go see that movie by myself in Times Square. I went to, I don't go to the movies, like to the movies, to the movies, because people don't know how to fucking behave in movie theaters. But I went to go see that one. I saw the movie. It was incredible. I stepped out of the movie theater, out of the AMC on 42nd Street. And I called up Christina. And I don't even think I said hello. She picked up the phone and I was like, I want to fuck Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> so fucking hard. No preamble. Like no preamble. And she was just like, I mean, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, she was explaining to me Endgame and yes. like what happens with everyone. Yes. And what happens with Iron Man. And and she was saying how like his daughter always says, I love you 4,000. Or 4,000? Or 3,000? I think 3,000 is right. It's 3,000. I think so. It's 3,000. Because, because when she said that, I was like, <laughs> if you say I love you 3,000, to me, I think Benjamin Ice Cold 3,000 from Outcast. <laughs> Do you not know that that's I his did, full I, name? I forgot that was his name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to the little fingers? You gotta do it when you, when you listen to Hey Y'all. It's so fucking good. So hey Everyone does the fingers. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it is so good. It's cold. I feel like I always think of Dragon Ball Z, even though I don't even know if that's the reference from Dragon Ball Z I'm thinking of. I never watched it. You were not an anime nerd in high I school? I was not at all. <sighs> well, also, like, I'm older than you. Anime is been around well no like so for instance like but dragon ball z like christina would watch dragon ball z because her like younger brother would watch it okay yeah but that i mean i never i never watched it it's one of those things i only know because it's i know I, it exists yes because as a I, franchise that's i don't like that's know. i just know that it exists but i never partook of it I'm, like, ah. I'm very particular about watching cartoons that's fair yeah Although, I have to say, I think adult animation has just gotten yeah. so good. Like, there are so many good cartoons for adults now, and I really appreciate that. Because you can do a lot more, especially, sure. like... On a budget. Yes. And a lot of ribald, a little more, like, taboo-type sure. things you wouldn't really be able to do. Yeah. I feel like South Park is obviously the greatest example of that, of all of the amazing yet fucked up shit they've done on the I show think, over the years. I don't know if I've told you that I, I can't watch South Park. It's a little too <gasps> crass for me. Oh, it's so crass. It's so crass. And I super appreciate everything they do. I appreciate <gasps> their equal opportunity offenders. I appreciate that it's it's seven days. Like, they're so topical because it's seven they, days from when yes, they start to when yes. they air it. But it just... Oh. I just can't. I can't at all. I get it. There's a lot of... I love the movie. 
I also love Team America World Police. <gasps> oh my god, I went and saw that in theaters with my parents. Ah. Oh. The South Park movie is another movie that my parents forgot how raunchy and bad it was and showed it to me at a very young age. And the first song in that, I don't know if you remember, is Shut Your Fucking Face, Uncle Fucker. Uh, and yeah. immediately my parents shut up and were like, okay, so I thought we were going to watch this movie together. We are definitely not for obvious reasons because that's grossly inappropriate. You're too young for that. Apologies. We'll talk about it again in a few years. And I was just like, yeah, that seems right. That seems responsible. That is like nodded and then didn't ask any more questions. The South Park movie is so incredible for so many reasons, but it's one of those that if you're a musical theater nerd, one, it's a good movie. Two, the song's actually really great. Yes. Three, if you're a musical theater nerd, they make very specific homages to Les Mis repeatedly throughout do the movie. Do they? I'm not a theater nerd, so I did not pick up on the, any of that. Um, they do a very specific homage to One Day More and Little Fall of Rain from Les Mis. And when you watch it, you're like, this is Little Fall of Rain that's happening <laughs> no right now. Yeah. And it's fucking incredible and it's brilliant. So it's very rad to see, like it wasn't a joke to them. Like they, no. it is, they made a, a really good musical with that because they're musical theater people. Yes. Which is really rad. Yes. Yeah. They also just do great literary references. Like Pip is a character in Oh, Great South Expectations. Park. Great Expectations. Yeah. So when we had to read that book in high school, I literally taped first of all, I fucking hate that book. I cannot stand it. Amy. It's so Amy, grab my hand. Grab my hand. This is just <sighs> another so, reason why we've bonded. It's so Fuck Great Expectations. Ugh. Fuck Pip and fuck Estella. <sighs> fuck all of them. Oh. Hate it. I hated it. And oh. it's also one of those books like, I'm sorry you read the first chapter and then you're like, oh, there's a mysterious beneficiary. And I was like, yeah, so the fucking criminal from the beginning that he saved? Very obviously. Oh. Like, literally. And sorry, then, spoiler if you haven't read that book. Like, I don't know. We're not going to read it's, it and it's awful. I'm saving you fucking 500 fucking pages. Yeah. And it, just the whole thing, he'll like meet women who treat him nice and he's like, they're great, but they're nothing like Stella. Oh. And like, all she, and she's just like she's such a super toxic and like shitty. It's He just wants a toxic relationship. It's yes. so not a good situation. I, I hate it. Hated it. I, so anyway, yeah. I taped Pip on my book so just to get through it to like, so at least when I like had to pick it up, I was like, oh, it's Pip from South Park. And my English teacher fucking loved that. That's amazing. So much. That's, I'm glad that your English teacher didn't get offended. He was, he was actually ridiculously hot. And <gasps> oh yeah. He like played soccer back in the day, and oh, he was like mm, chiseled Hi. jaw, like super. It was one of those Mr. Uh, Pearson. Oh, I will never forget you, sir. Okay. <laughs> I had a hot priest teacher. Oh my god, that's girl. You don't even fucking know. I this this is <laughs> you... this is Googleable, and I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop him. <laughs> you're gonna Google it. So this guy, uh... this priest was super fucking hot. Okay. And he used to come in once a week to teach us religion class in high school. His last name was Coutier, spelt cutie. And I was like, are oh my you God, fucking like so perfect. kidding me? Holy shit. And he would give really great sermons that were very relatable. And, and he had like his own radio show and his own column in the newspaper and a book deal and a TV so show. Cool. And we used to go to like his mass and like it would be wall to wall packed, the mass. And He's like the rock star priest. Like basically. Everyone came out. Yeah. Basically, he was the rock star priest. He's the rock star hot priest. So after mass, like you go a lot of times, the priest is waiting at the door and you shake his yes. hand. It's like, you yes. know, thank you, Father. Have a good week, Father, whatever the fuck. And like these old blue hairs would be like knocking you down to get the fucking <laughs> Father. <laughs> I think I shake the Father's hand. And then fast forward a few years, 
he actually married, he, he officiated my, one of my closest friends' weddings. So fast forward a few years and there's like, because he was a celebrity. Like, so yeah. he had like paparazzos and shit oh after him. Oh my God. So then fast forward a few years and he is caught like making out in the sand on a beach, <gasps> like with this woman. And it's like scandal, drama, drama, pink pajamas. Yes. And but also get it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And he was like, yep, totally. I've been having an affair with this divorcee. Oh. And then he left the church and became like some Episcopalian person or whatever because he could be married and like he, he was really hot. And then I had one professor in college who was had the really intense hot thing. Mm. And I was like, oh, fuck. But that was it. I didn't I'll have show my teachers. I'll for class, sure. Yeah. Did you watch Fleabag? I watched the first season. Second season is the hot priest season. So uh, Yes, I heard about it. Okay, I should, heard about that. You should get on that. That's gonna make me really uncomfortable. No, it's so good. It's not. It's not gonna make you uncomfortable. It's gonna be good. I swear. I swear. Oh man. Anything else? No. I really just want Christina's fiance's alien story. You said he had all of the stories, and that was the one thing that was missing from our listener episode. And now I'm dying to know. Well, he didn't tell me an alien story, but I'll have. Did he have one? I don't know. If he did, he didn't tell me because he was like, I have all of them. Yes, that's why when you said that, I was like. What? You know I'm obsessed with people's aliens. Of course. Like, I will say, like, a little PSA here. People are not writing in to the email address to give the stories. They're just, like, texting me or DMing me. There's <laughs> a reason we have the email is for your stories. Because then people be like, did I tell you about this thing? I'm like, no. Fayad, you listen to my shit every week. Send me the story. I want to feature it on a fucking episode. So, guys, we want to hear all of your stories. Please send them to another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of a U. Yes, please. We want to hear all of them. All of them. I want all of them, but if you have alien stories, I'm particularly... Amy knows that the truth is out there. I want... It's the Fermi paradox. Like, it's a paradox for a reason. It makes no sense that we're the only ones. I want some fucking... I want the juice. I want the goodies. She wants the hot goss. I want the hot fucking goss. On the aliens. Mmm. And I know you guys can I'll, show up for it. You guys can bring I'll it. I'll believe you. There's no doubts here. Yeah. There'll be no shame. I just want to hear your shit. Yeah. I'm down with everything, but That's Amy true. really, really wants the alien stories. I really do. So just, you've been warned. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we're looking for. <laughs> you know what we want. Do you have a spooky story for me? Yes. Not spooky, just paranormal. So, yeah. So... Mine wasn't really spooky last week, so I can't talk at all. Yeah, obviously. This is you set the press. I know. <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, so last week, as you may remember, I told a super brutal story that ended with me crying in it. But like a, a classy ladylike cry. It Thank was you. Very, it was very it touching. Was a, yeah. You started getting me going. It was, it, was, it was a very tough one that I, I went home like two in the morning and I watched Bob's Burgers does like a palate cleanser from that's one one. that's very comforting yeah thank you for that thank You're you welcome. for for the the Bob's Burger recommendation of course I can hear 10 people be like bitch I fucking recommended that to you like <laughs> it was ago. not her do not give her credit so because I went super duper heavy last week I decided to go a little lighter oh, okay, this fine. week to make up for that or just add you know a little variety okay well, it makes it's a spice of life do what you want so I'm going to be talking about the Coral Castle. Yes. 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 Right? It's in Florida, so yes. yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, I love it. Okay. So okay. Excited. You know I'm what so this excited. is. Yes. I'm so excited. Oh okay. Sources. MiamiAndBeaches.com, TheCultureTrip.com, Wikipedia.com, and CoralCastle.com. 
Edward Leed Skalman was born in Riga, Latvia on August 10, 1887. When Ed was 26 years old, he became engaged to marry Agnes Scuffs, who was 10 years younger than him, and Ed would refer to her affectionately as his, quote, sweet 16, because she was 16 fucking years old. Yeah, okay, you can still make a joke of it, like... I don't think it's a joke. I think it was just legit. Like, he legitimately... It's like, oh, my sweet 16. My mm. sweet 16. And here's the thing, like, is that super gross? Yes. This is also, like... I was like, it's, it's less gross, I'm sure, in the time that it was, but it's, it's the early gross. 1900s at this point. Oh, okay. And here's the thing, also important to note, Elvis Presley met Priscilla Presley when she was 14 and he was 26, and he basically raised his perfect wife. And, yup. Grooming. Mm-hmm. Creepy. And Jerry Lee Lewis fucking married his 13-year-old cousin when he was 23. And that was in the 50s and 60s. It was a thing that was happening. It's a thing that's happening it's a thing now, technically. Happening yeah, now. still. Like, it's I the mean, early 1900s, yeah. but this is what's happening. She's 16 fucking years old. He's 26. Ew. Here's the thing. Agnes broke off their engagement one day before the wedding ceremony. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ed, completely heartbroken, moved to North America shortly thereafter and made it his lifelong quest to create a monument to his lost love. Ed lived in Canada, California, and Texas, but when he developed tuberculosis, he moved to Florida hoping that the better climate would help his condition. So in 1919, at the age of 31, Ed moved to Florida City, Florida, where he began construction on what would eventually become known as the Coral Castle. In 1923, Ed began carving from oolithic limestone found under the soil of his property. So here's the thing. The Coral Castle wasn't originally called the Coral Castle, and it's not actually made of coral. It's just a name that was given to it by the locals. It's made of oolithic limestone. And in Florida, it's right underneath the topsoil. You, you dig a little bit, and it's all fucking limestone. So that's where he acquired this limestone. So in 1923, Ed began carving the oolithic limestone found under the soil of his property. He spent 18 years in Florida City when he began to feel that the city was growing too quickly for his taste. In 1936, he heard about a planned subdivision being built not too far away in Homestead. So he bought 10 acres of land and moved there. However, as I already mentioned, Ed had already begun construction on the Coral Castle in Florida City. So the five-foot-tall, hundred-pound immigrant spent the next three years painstakingly moving the sculptured carvings by himself, piece by piece, to what eventually became the permanent home 10 miles away in Homestead. Ed lived a very simple life, so he didn't own a car. He would ride his bicycle three and a half miles into town for food and supplies on a regular basis. However, when it came time for Ed to move these huge coral pieces to their new home 10 miles away, what Ed had was a base frame of an old Republic truck, which he had on two rails. He had a friend with a tractor move the loaded trailer from Florida City to Homestead. Many people reported seeing the coral carvings being moved along the Dixie Highway, but no one actually ever saw Ed loading or unloading the trailer. In one story, one night Ed pulled into a local quarry to buy several tons of limestone. When the foreman asked how he planned to load, all of the stone onto his old truck, Ed asked the old man to turn his back. A few minutes later, the foreman turned around and he was astonished to see Ed sitting in a truck that was fully loaded with limestone. I clearly had forgotten some of the details of this. Girl. <sighs> All right. So 
While Ed only had a fourth grade education and had never actually had a profession, he came from a family of stonemasons and was said to have been a self-taught student of physics who was fascinated by ancient structures such as the pyramids, whose pieces were transported and constructed without modern methods. He was found often in the public library studying the Egyptians and ancient megalithic structures. Ed said he believed he discovered the secret of the pyramids. Oh, shit. Yeah. Over the next 28 years, Ed diligently and secretly sculpted 1,100 tons of coral into an open-air castle. To ensure total privacy, he only worked at night by lantern light, and he built numerous lookouts along the castle walls. One night, some kids peeked over the wall to see if they could get an insight into the mystery, and they said that they saw Ed working by himself with nothing more than rudimentary hand tools. As soon as the kids were spotted, he chased them away. To move the enormous pieces of oolite, he used tripods made of three pieces of Florida pine about the same size as a telephone pole. He used five-ton chains, and he used a ten-ton chain hoist. Yet, somehow, he was able to impossibly lift stones that were wider than the tripod's diameter, and that were taller than the tripod stood, and that weighed more than what the chains were rated for. What? Mm-hmm. This man defies physics, literally. Yes. All right. So I'm, I'm here for it, Monique. Like I, I, I'm all about it. Okay. Yes. This man yes. is a wizard. Clearly. I mean, clearly. Steve Burroughs, structural engineer, said, "Quote: Well, he didn't lift a 20-ton stone with a five-ton block and tackle, but he definitely found a way to lever the stone up." End quote. In 1951, Coral Castle, originally called Rockgate Park, was finally completed. At an entrance to the park, an inscription greets visitors that reads, quote, you will be seeing unusual accomplishment, end quote, because he's from Latvia, which is very cute. I love that. And as promised, the site is full of magnificent sculptures. Visitors enter the grounds through a nine-ton, eight-foot-tall, perfectly balanced revolving door made entirely of stone that could be easily moved by just the touch of a finger. Wow. And I've been to Coral Castle. And Have you? Absolutely true. I did hear that after 2005, some shit happened with the door that now it's not as easy to move. But okay. when I went, like, literally just... A touch of a thing, and it would glide. A nine-fucking-ton door. That's so satisfying, because my biggest pet peeve with revolving doors is you really have to fuck it. Like, I especially have to, like, really get it going. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is a nine-ton door, and you just, and and it opens right up. The grounds of Coral Castle consist of 1,100 tons of stones in the form of walls, carvings, furniture, among them being a two-story castle tower consisting of eight-foot-high pieces of limestone that served as Ed's living quarters. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't fucking want to live in a coral castle. Uh, yeah, I mean... In a well, tower. Well, I don't know, because he lived without running water or electricity. Okay, no, no. <laughs> I know. I don't want either of that. No. He lived on the top floor and used the bottom floor as a storage area for his cutting and shaving tools, blocks, tackles, crude winches, and wedges, most of which he had made himself, along with equipment for radio wave physics and astronomy experiments. Oh... Ed was fascinated by astronomy and all things celestial, so it was a recurring theme throughout the entire castle. He built a 30-ton polar telescope aligned with the North Star, which stands 25 feet tall. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. A stone sundial that accurately tells the time, a 20-ton obelisk, a barbecue, a water well where Ed drew his water, a fountain, celestial stars and planets, 
numerous pieces of furniture, including a 13-ton, 20-foot-long table surrounded by 10 chairs carved into the shape of Florida, 25 rocking chairs that could be easily rocked with the touch of a finger, chairs resembling crescent moons, a child's play area containing a grotto of three bears, a bathtub, beds, and a throne. In the throne room sits a five-ton rocking chair, and next to it are smaller thrones for Agnes, a child, and a mother-in-law. Ed never gave up hope that he and Agnes would reunite, so he carved a two-and-a-half-ton heart-shaped table for them to sit at. While he invited her several times to see the castle, she never came. Aww. You I know, knew that part of it, and I, that, that one always made me sad. Yeah, and like... Here's the thing. I'm kind of like, how creepy was he? Because if someone yeah. makes an entire fucking castle for me, yeah, I'm gonna you, like look. I thought that too. Like, you really have to not be into somebody to be like, I'm good. Actually, like, I don't even want to come visit. I'm good in Latvia. Yeah, thanks. thanks. It's going much better over here. Yeah. I don't want to come to Florida. I mean, but this is super impressive. Like, this whole situation is very impressive. But, like, she won't go see a castle that he made entirely made for, her for her Yeah, in Florida. But also, dude... Take a hint, like she didn't want to get married. She exactly. like literally broke up with you a day before your wedding. Which also that's not a cute look. Like it's a day not. before. Also girl. then like if you do meet somebody and then you're like, I made this castle, but I made it for this other girl. Right. Sorry. Sorry. No no offense. I hope you still like me though. We can right? I can yeah, date. that's it's the castle equivalent of tattooing your ex's name on Yeah. You. Oh it really is. <laughs> oh it really is. is. Yeah. Yeah. To add to this incredibly impressive feat of craftsmanship, the stones are fastened together without mortar or cement. They are set on top of each other using their weight to keep them together. The craftsmanship detail is so fine and the stones are connected with such precision that no light passes through the joints. The eight foot tall vertical stones that make up the perimeter of the wall all have uniform height. Even with the passage of decades, the stones have not shifted. And also, this is Florida. Yeah. Hurricanes fucking come. The weather is very turbulent. And these sinkholes you keep with the I, I keep wanting to live in world. Died, Monique. Where sinkholes aren't real and you keep shattering that world for me, Amy. They're real, they're very real. I know. I just don't want to live in a world where they're real. And I keep forgetting about it and you keep reminding me. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> No, you won't. I won't. I'm sorry to bring it up. Every every opportunity. So with very few exceptions, the objects are made from single pieces of stone that weigh on average 15 tons each. Holy shit. The largest stone weighs 30 tons, and the tallest are two monoliths standing at 25 feet each. Whenever he was questioned about the construction, he explained that he had a vast understanding of the laws of weight and leverage. While there was no heavy machinery to help him move and place the oolite perfectly, Ed moved each piece using basic block and tackle with primitive tools he created from old car parts. Some say Coral Castle is positioned on the Earth's natural harmonic grid, which helped him with his ability of magnetism, levitation, and electrical current. He was known to conduct electrical experiments, even publishing his own textbooks, which provided detailed instructions on how to recreate his findings. In December of 1951, a month or two after he had finished the castle, he woke up one morning feeling ill. Ed, who rarely visited the doctor, put a sign on the door of the castle saying, quote, going to the hospital, end quote, and took the bus to Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami and died three days later of kidney failure and stomach cancer at the age of 64. After his death, a nephew living in Michigan inherited the castle. In 1953, shortly before the nephew's death, he sold the castle to a family from Illinois. 
During the switch of ownership, a box of Ed's personal effects were found containing a set of instructions that led to the discovery of $35,100 bills, his life savings, which I looked it up. Oh, fuck, I don't have the exact number, but it was something like, it was the equivalent of like $35,000 today. Oh, okay. Ed made a small living giving tours of the castle for 10 and 25 cents and from the sale of pamphlets from the gift shop that he'd written. Five of those pamphlets were a book in every home, which contains Ed's thoughts on three subjects, his sweet 16, Agnes, uh, domestic and political views, a pamphlet titled Mineral, Vegetable, and Animal Life, which contains his beliefs on life cycle, and three pamphlets on magnetic current. Yes. While scientists, engineers, and architects still debate how Ed was able to perfectly shape, lift, fit, and stack over 2 million pounds of limestone by himself using only a few pulleys and a tripod, some believe the secret is in the pamphlets regarding magnetic current and magnetism. Michio Kaku, PhD author of Physics of the Impossible, said, quote, Magnetism can, in fact, levitate very large objects, but you have to have what's called superconducting technology. You have to cool down helium, for example, to near absolute zero before you get superconducting magnets, end quote. One of the many peculiar things that Ed designed was something called a perpetual motion holder, and a drawing of which is found on the cover of the booklet Magnetic Current. The perpetual motion holder is made from one and a half inch thick steel bar, a mile of copper wire with a bar on the top. And if you lock these coils together with current, this current will run through the device forever and never leave it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Aerospace engineer Travis Taylor said, quote, Ed claims in his notes that he used reverse energy or anti-gravity. The question is, what did he mean by this? The devices that Ed allegedly used to move these rocks were an old school tripod that had a large black box on the top of it. We don't know what was in that box. And Ed never said what was in that box. We could speculate that it's some device that he created that enabled him to lift more weight than he should have been able to lift with these rudimentary tripod, fulcrum, and lever system. But we have no idea what it was he did. End quote. RL. What was in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Ed, what's in the box? An even tinier wizard. That's what's in the box. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. R.L. Poole, the author of the Lead Scallon Codex, said, quote, He built the only modern megalithic structure ever known. What makes Coral Castle so unique and mysterious is that no one has ever been able to replicate his results using his methods. What this means is that he knew something that we do not know, end quote. Whatever secrets Ed Leedskallen used to build the Coral Castle died with him. On May 10, 1984, Ed's shrine to his lost love, Agnes, was added to the National Register of Historic Places. In 1986, fun fact, Billy Idol wrote and recorded his song, Sweet Sixteen, oh, as shit. a tribute to Ed and the Coral Castle, with the music video being shot on location at the Coral Castle. I didn't even realize that. Fuck. Right? I'm more of a rebel yell girl, but I'll take it. Oh, white wedding. Oh, I... da- dancing with yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, that's good. So too. good. Oh, so good. Billy Idol. Love you. Homestead's Coral Castle has been compared to the mysteries and monumental accomplishments of the pyramids of Egypt, Stonehenge in England, and the Taj Mahal in India. To this day, no one knows how Edward Leeds Scallon created the Coral Castle. Damn! Damn! Right? 
Like, was he a magician? Was he, like, a fucking physicist from another time? Yeah. Like, what did he know? And I remember hearing, like, people talking about aliens. Like, maybe aliens yeah. were involved in it. Or I mean, people think the aliens were involved in the pyramids and shit, exactly. too. Exactly. So. But... And That's crazy. It's crazy. And it's funny because my younger brother, he's an architect now, but he always had that proclivity growing up. He was big into Legos and yeah. and the 3D I don't know if they still do 3D puzzles. He was really into the 3D yeah, puzzles. And they just kind of took over the house that you'd be having dinner <laughs> and you'd move your chair. And he's like, you're crushing the Kremlin. Like, it was a fucking thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Not the Kremlin. So... No, I hear him listening to this thing. It was St. Basil's Cathedral. I know, Jeremy. I know. There were so many of them. I'm aware. I'm aware. I can never forget. Like, I'm scarred. I was traumatized by the fucking 3D puzzles all over the house. But I, and I think that it was a thing because he was so showing this thing towards like art and very specifically architecture that our parents took us to the Coral Castle. And it's fucking wild. It's really crazy. I've never been. I knew of it. I knew that one guy had built it. I knew he moved it, and moving it was like an astronomical task that he was That he did by himself. Yes, and I knew it was for a woman yeah. that he had loved who did not return. It yeah. unrequited, and she never got a chance to see it. But I didn't really realize like how fucking mysterious the construction of it yeah. was and how hidden. I had kind of forgotten all of that. Yeah, it did at night. And that's the thing. Like, If you see it, it's cool. And then when you find out one dude did this, yeah, he basically just had ropes and pulleys and like knives. Like there's no mortar, there's no cement. He did all of it by himself, and it's just like the that person said that no one has been able to replicate what he did using the same tools that he made. And he clearly, he claims that he knew the secrets of the pyramids and like he he clearly did. Yeah, he knew something. The whole the guy turning around and then just turning like for a few minutes and then turning back around and everything was like cool Thanks. and the fact that he had to be like no no turn around yeah he was super duper secretive Ooh. and like part of me is like that's such a dick move to just die and be like this dies with me don't you want to get it but I, I thought about it i was yeah. like no i super get it i'd be like haha <laughs> that's totally some shit i would do <laughs> so just so, for me Normally, uh, Coral Castle is open every day, but things are wonky now in the world. So the family who bought it does keep it as a tourist destination? It is a tourist destination. Nice. Not only that, you can book your wedding there. or oh, a shoot. shoot. Yeah, it's... people get married at the fucking Coral Castle. That seems like it would be bad luck or something to get married in a... Trying to lost love of like a jilted man. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not, you know, one for superstition, but just, I don't I know. Could that say doesn't that. seem... That doesn't seem great. I would do like a rad party there. Not okay, a wedding, yeah. but a cool party. The thing that it's not practical because you're sitting down on rock. Yeah. Like all of the rocking chairs and shit. It's pretty cool it's, because they're it's 25 tons and with the touch of a finger you can rock, but it's not a lazy boy, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not comfortable. It's cold and hard It's limestone. And, yeah. And I was looking for for articles of people debunking how he did this. And one friend of his was like, oh, well, you know, limestone has holes in it, so it weighs less. And I'm like, okay. Uh, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. I'm like, also, like, limestone... the people who weighed in know fucking limestone and would know how much it weighs. Exactly. Like, exactly. And here's the thing. In Florida, it's everywhere. Everyone yeah. knows limestone. It's yeah. not like, well, this is a thing that Floridians know, but someone from, some asshole from Massachusetts has would, no, yeah. doesn't get it. No. No. It weighs, it weighs a fuck ton. Yeah. It's still stone. Like, sure, there's holes in it. It's porous, but it it's weighs a lot. dirty, yeah. Yeah. 
Like we use it for fucking foundations and shit. I Absolutely. Is, like yeah. there's so much uh, in my, my parents' place. There's a lot of limestone. You see limestone and because it, it lasts forever. forever yeah. So, you know, there's really old buildings that have limestone and, if you've ever picked up a chunk of it, it's not like, oh, this is lighter than I thought. No, it's no, heavy. No, it's fucking heavy. So I, I just wanted to do something a little more fun and light after being super it. heavy last time. I week. love it, which is so funny because I had the complete opposite thought, which was like, Monique brought, she brought the thunder, so I need to fucking she bring slaughtered children. I don't know what you're doing. thunder. Uh, basically, basically it was like, <laughs> no. No, 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 there's no, no children get murdered. I will preface it with that. It's the Franklin um, cover-up. No. No. But I did have the moment where I was like, I mean, I did like such a nice, happy, feel-good story last week. And then I reminded myself, it's a fucking horror podcast. It is. So yeah, I felt like Many Lives, Many Masters was maybe slightly eerie, but it wasn't horrifying. So I didn't want anyone to think I was going soft. So I went a little, I went a little hard, a little hard. So I'm going to do the Christmas killings committed by the downtown posse headed by Marvelous Keen in Dayton, Ohio. Sources. So we're talking about a Christmas murder. Oh yeah. I told you I leaned in hard. I love a theme. (laughs) (laughs) Sucker. Themes on themes. I can't, I can't even, I have no excuse. I will say when you Google Christmas murders as one does around Christmas, because (laughs) I don't know what kind of life you're leading, but that's where I'm at. It's a lot of family slayings. I was going to... Pun completely not intended. I apologize for that one. (laughs) I specifically did not pick one of those. So if anyone was maybe going to see their family for the holidays, don't worry. It's not one of those. Also, don't get any ideas. Yeah, please. I know it could get dicey. Just drink and then leave afterward. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You don't need to go there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sources. Crimeinvestigation.co.uk. Murderpedia and medium.com. So all of this takes place in Dayton, Ohio in the year 1992. Marvelous Keen, age 19, and his 16-year-old girlfriend, Laura, had been inseparable for two weeks ever since they first got together. Mm. This is December of 1992 we're starting. Taylor was expelled from Meadowdale High School four months before and hadn't seen her parents in nearly three weeks. Keen, once a choir boy and a regular churchgoer, had just returned to Dayton after 18 months with his father in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. His mother had hoped this day would help him overcome his rage at the murder of his brother, who was fatally shot during a foiled robbery attempt the previous year. So, two days before Christmas, the 23rd, Taylor and Keen, I feel like I'm like reading this, like, two days before Christmas. Gather around, children. <laughs> they got, gather around. Oof, yeah. Sugar pump fairies and, <laughs> and family murders. Family murders. Ugh. Taylor and Keen had used up all of their money for a night at a downtown hotel, but Taylor had an idea. She knew of a man on Prescott Ave who had a job at GM and always had money for sexual favors. Ugh. She suggested they could get into his house under this pretense and rob him. Keen said, let's do it, and grabbed two 25 caliber automatic handguns. Jesus. Yeah, from the start, we're going hard. Like, yeah, they're at they're 11 already. <sighs> yeah, it's only going to go up from here. Oh, great. And by up, I mean down. Yes. The night of December 23rd was bitterly cold, and since they didn't have a car, they walked a mile to an apartment in the Edgewood Court public housing complex where an older man named Bill ran a quote-unquote crack cocaine den. Oof. Because this is the 90s, right? Oh, so this is like the the height of the crack epidemic. Yeah. Oof. Bill's was where the loosely connected gang dubbed the downtown posse did drugs and occasionally crashed. The nine quote-unquote members were different races, different backgrounds, but all were rebellious and at odds with their parents. I say members, but most of them are honestly still teenagers. 
The ones involved in this story, which is not the full nine, are Laura Taylor, who is 16, oh Demarcus Smith, God. 17, Nicholas Woodson, 17, Heather Matthews, 20, Wendy Cotrill, 16, Marvin Washington, 18, and Jeffrey Wright, 28. So Keene, who is the head of this, is only 19 at the time. Using the phone at Bill's, Taylor called the man on Prescott and offered him an orgy in exchange for money. Oh. She, oh yeah, she went, she went like, I mean, this full, is just yeah. a full 11. Oh yes. She and Keen then recruited Heather Matthews to come with them for the ruse. She was just out of prison and was, quote unquote, reacquainting herself with crack cocaine. Matthews agreed and Taylor pumped the group up before their spree saying, let's get some drama in our lives. Which is literally never what I want to hear before no, I'm doing anything. No, Together they all walked to Joseph Wilkerson's house. Once inside, they all shared a drink before heading into the bedroom. As Wilkerson undressed, the other three pretended to do the same, but Keen then pulled his pants up and pulled out a gun. He ordered Wilkerson to get on the bed, and the girls tied his wrists to the bed with electrical cords. Then they started to check the house for things to steal. Wilkerson told Keen that he kept a 32 caliber Derringer in the garage. Keen retrieved it, then used it to shoot Wilkerson <gasps> in the chest. Taylor and Matthews heard the shot and went into the bedroom. Keen handed the Derringer to Taylor, but it wouldn't fire again. Keen okay. then handed her- I'm sorry, are, are, are all these people high right now? Does not say. Okay. I, they're Not living that that's in like justified. Yeah, it. they're living in a, a crack cocaine den. Yeah. But it doesn't say that any of them are actually doing that. So I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not going to Assume. disparage yes. anyone by saying that. But it, it's, it's not, not out outside. Of the realm yeah, I was going to say, literally. Yeah. Yes. Took the words right out of my okay. mouth. That's perfect. Keen handed the Derringer to Taylor, but it wouldn't fire again. Keen then handed her his 25 caliber and she shot him a second time in the head. <gasps> They took a microwave oven, a TV, a cordless phone, a curling iron, and a blow dryer from the house and loaded it up in Wilkerson's red Buick. They don't even really get a good haul from this. I was going to say, I'm yeah. like, what? No. I, I'm, I'm super jumping ahead, but it's like, is whatever prison sentence you're going to get, which isn't going to be light. We're not even talking about the fact that you took a, a human being's life worth a fucking curling iron and a fucking blow dryer. No. This is why I have to imagine, like, they have to be, like, and this is me justifying, like, bad behavior. They have to be, like, whacked out of their minds to be like, well, this is, this is acceptable. Because you don't want to believe that a sober and rational human being could do this. this. Yes. Or would do this, but, because he's, they're not coming out with, like, like, fucking, like, Mr. Moneybags with, like, the little things of cash with, like, the dollar signs on it. They're coming out with a fucking curling, a used curling iron and a fucking blow dryer. Yes. Which is what? Like, they get the car. That's literally, like, $20. Yeah. If that, it's only going to get worse. Of course. I know this. Yeah. I was like, I'm hesitant to tell you that, but. No, I know. We did this to ourselves. Yes. We did this. We said this every week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is, I think you mentioned it before, is like the berserker. Yeah. Mode. This is where we're headed. It's kind of where we're headed here. Okay. On the morning of the 24th, they left Wilkerson's house in a stolen Buick and drove it back to Bill's apartment. Keen warned the girls not to tell Cotrill and Washington, two other members of the downtown posse. However, Matthew's boyfriend, 17-year-old Demarcus Smith, who was wanted by police for parole violations, decided to join them on their spree. They went to crash at Bill's, and after they got up, they went downtown and spent the afternoon hanging out at the courthouse square and the arcade. Later that evening, Keen, Taylor, and Smith went for a walk. Keen and Smith were both armed at the time. As they were walking, they saw 18-year-old mother, Danita Glett, at a payphone. Smith and Keen drew their guns and forced her at gunpoint to remove her shoes and jacket. They took the shoes and the jacket, then fired nine shots, five of which hit Glett. What the fuck? Yes. This is so a disproportionate response. Yes. At 10.15 that night, police were called to the crime scene. Detective Doyle Burke said of the scene, sometimes on this job, you can look at a scene and get an idea of the why. 
But in some cases, and this is a good example, there is no why. There is just no reason whatsoever. <sighs> the lead investigator, Wade Lawson, said, we had no idea why this lady was shot or why so many shots were fired. Investigators had no idea at the time that this was actually the second victim. Because, you know, you come across a murder like that and you're like, this is personal. Yes. Because they, it wasn't just like, a, I need to get rid of a witness. It's you shoot them nine times. Yes. It's like you have, that seems that's like, like there's passion. vengeance. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like they stole a lot. Her jacket and her shoes, yes. What the fuck is that not, cost? Yeah, it's not like they were out to get, like she just took a bunch of money out of the ATM and they're trying to fucking get all the money. Like there's and not to literally be like, no reason. This is Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Like a jacket and shoes, like this isn't like Prada or fucking Chanel. Like this is. No. And like she was an 18 year old mother. Like she had a two year old oh kid. Like, and she just was making a call on the phone. Like, ugh. And it's just that thing, like, even last week of, like, just being at the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time. time. Yes. There's and no way you could fucking predict that, that fucking free people who would just fucking walk up and shoot you at a payphone for your jacket and shoes. That's fucking insane. And not just shoot you, nine times shoot you. So at the scene, the only thing they really noticed was blazer bullet casings were found, which are not rare, and they're actually quite cheap. They're used primarily for target practice, though, because you can't reload the casing with a new bullet. But okay. other than that, they didn't really have any leads or anything to indicate what this was. When the downtown posse members returned to the apartment, which was basically a party at this point, Taylor was wearing Galette's jacket and Smith was carrying the shoes. <sighs> we shot her. We shot her. Oh Taylor my God. exclaimed. Smith bragged, yeah, we laid her out. He tried on Galette's fill of shoes, which fit him, so he continued to wear them. Taylor and Smith went through a bag and the clothing, but only found 50 cents. Yes. So she's murdered for 50 cents in a cents. fucking coat and shoes. It's fucking senseless. It's absolutely abhorrent. Later that night, it's still fucking Christmas Eve, by the way. We're not. We're not even, yeah. Still at the apartment, Matthews had a fight with her ex-boyfriend, Jeffrey Wright, who stormed off but then came back looking for her. He dragged her by the hair to a bedroom, and Smith, who was her current boyfriend, followed. They fought over her, and Smith eventually chased him out of the upstairs apartment, shooting at him as he ran across an open field. Wright dropped to the ground and tried to play dead. Smith walked up and pulled the trigger till the gun was empty. Fortunately, he was only shot in the legs four times and was Jesus. able to escape to a neighbor's house to get help. Thank God. He was the first victim to survive. <gasps> and this is number three? Yes. Okay. After Wright was shot, Keen, Matthews, Taylor, and Smith then left in the Buick. The incident with Wright and Matthews must have gotten Taylor thinking about her own ex-boyfriend, Richmond Maddox, 19, who she knew had money and a car. I mean, that's a great name. Right? It's a very, like... The, like, shitty prep school kid in an 80s yes. John Hughes movie. Yes. Name. He's definitely breaking Molly Raymond's heart. You know yes. what I mean? Like, that's that guy. That is what he sounds like he's doing. Yeah. On December 25th, Taylor lured him from his parents' house by promising to go to a hotel with him and got in his car. The rest of the group followed behind. When he noticed a car following him, he got nervous, but Taylor told him it was just her cousins making sure she got to the hotel safely. Suspicious of this explanation, he tried to make a getaway, Taylor pulled out the 32 Derringer, put it to his temple, and fired. Holy shit! Jumping out of the car right before it crashed into a tree. <gasps> her right leg was injured from the jump and she ran away limping. Matthews picked her up in a shopping center parking lot. Taylor was agitated, trying to unjam the gun. Matthews told her to calm down and asked her what happened. She said, and I quote, I shot him in the head. I shot him. Homicide investigators were once again called after working the night before on Galette's case. Once they realized he had not died from the crash as it had originally appeared, but a gunshot wound to the head. To them, it was just another bizarre Christmas murder and they hadn't yet connected it to the murder of Danita Galette since she had been shot multiple times with Keene's guns, which were both 25 caliber versus once in the head by a 32 caliber. 
At some point on December 25th, Keane returned to Wilkerson's to steal more items, including his other car, Pontiac. Wilkerson's murder still had not been discovered. Late night of the 25th, early morning of the 26th, since they couldn't go back to Bill's apartment after the shooting, they began to hang out at the house of Sandra Pinson, who was the mother of one gang member, Dion, who was 16, and the aunt of another, Nicholas Woodson, who was 17. They began scheming ways to get some quick cash, then took off in two cars, originally traveling together, but eventually separating between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Matthews, Taylor, Keene, and Smith drove to a bank to try to rob someone at the ATM. Someone finally pulled up, but was suspicious of the other car, rightfully fucking so, yeah. and drove away without taking out any money. Since that hadn't worked, they moved Trust on. Trust your gut. Yes, get the fuck out of there. Fuck yes. Also, why are you taking money out of an ATM at like two in the morning? Kind of sketchy. I mean, I've done no it. No judgments. I mean, yeah. I've done it so many times. It's like, I'm at a bar and they're sketchy. like, we don't have, I, absolutely. <laughs> I'm at a bar and they're like, our credit card machine doesn't work. And I'm like, ugh. All right. Fine. Go to the ATM. Ugh. Yeah, I get it. It's fine. Since that hadn't worked, they moved on. Pulling into a BP station, they saw a woman putting air in her tires and decided to steal her car, a Dodge Shadow, at gunpoint. She ran, which is most likely the only reason she survived. Oh my god. Keenan Smith drove off in her car while Matthews followed in the Pontiac. Later that morning, Matthews drove Keen, Smith, and Taylor to the short stop mini mart. Taylor went in to scope it out and then came back to report there were only two people inside. Keen and Smith went into the store where Sarah Abraham, whose family owned the store, was working the register. The men held her at gunpoint and told her to open the drawer. She did, handing $40 to Keen. He shot her in the head anyway. She died five days later from the wound. Smith also shot at the other two people in the store. He wounded one, a customer named Jones Pettis. Both would go on to testify against Keene. This was also the first break in the case as they finally had witnesses to not only the suspects, but the getaway car. Back at Sarah's house, Keene and Smith were getting scared. Too many people knew too much. They hit the car the store robbery had been committed in and switched the license plates around on the other cars, hoping to throw off police. Mm -hmm. But Smith still didn't feel safe, especially from two of the other gang members, Cotrill and her boyfriend, Washington. I'm going to ask a question that could be yes. super dumb. I've never owned a car, so I don't know if what I'm going to ask is like the stupidest question. <laughs> I'm like so excited about this. <laughs> so excited. Tell me. If a cop runs your plates, yes. does it show up what vehicle it is? Yes. Okay. Yes. So if they run your plates, they'll see that it's from another car, car, and that's immediately a red flag. suspicious. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. No. Yes, of course. <laughs> that was a totally fair question. Smith said, quote, we ought to unload a clip in Marvin, unquote. Jesus! Yeah. He was convinced that Washington had told police he shot Wright, Matthew's old boyfriend. Taylor and Matthews discussed jumping Wendy, but Matthews said they never discussed shooting her. Deciding to take care of the problem, Keen, Smith, Matthews, Taylor, and Woodson all jumped in the Dodge Shadow and drove to Bills to pick up Cotrell in Washington. Cotrell was pregnant with Washington's <gasps> child at the time. The gang went to a drive through liquor store, passing drinks around the car. They then went to visit Keen's brother's grave. Woodson asked to be taken home, and they dropped him off. They then drove to a gravel pit where they ordered Washington out of the car and dragged Cotrell out. They both swore they hadn't snitched, but they shot them anyway. Oh my god. Keene shot Wendy, and Smith shot Marvin. Woodson actually ended up being the one to call police. He gave detectives information over the phone as he was too frightened to come in person. He confirmed most of what the investigators already knew and was able to provide new information. He gave them Smith and Matthews full names, but could only describe Keene and Taylor. He told them all the cars they had been driving and told them he knew where there was another body, Wilkerson's. The gang had taken him there to party while he was dead in the other room. Dayton Police Sergeant Hoover, during a patrol, noticed a Dodge Shadow matching the description of a stolen car. He ran the plates and realized they had been switched with another car. There we go. There you go. Seeing the car that the plates matched in an alley, he went to investigate 
and saw the plates were missing. He radioed in and called for more crews for surveillance. While still parked in the alley, he saw the Dodge Shadow take off. He called in that the vehicle was on the move and went to follow. He saw the car had only gone about two blocks when it stopped and one of the four suspects got out and ran, which was Smith running back to the house. Hooper focused on the car and the other three suspects. Backup units were closing in and police were able to block and surround the shadow. Suspects came out slowly and peacefully. One of Keene's 25s was under the driver's seat. He was wearing one of Wendy's gold necklaces and Gallette's red and white plaid jacket. In his pocket was a commemorative pocket knife that matched knives Wilkerson gave to his male relatives. So like just where all the evidence from your yeah, is super smart. Yeah. Sergeant John Hooper said, quote, they all cooperated and put their hands up. I was later to find out from detectives that Laura Taylor had told Marvelous Keene to shoot me, and he wouldn't. A woman told detectives where the man who fled the car had run, and officers went to the house to investigate. Sarah allowed them inside. She told them no one else was home, but a young man wearing only green pants walked downstairs. When questioned, he said he was Dion and he lived there. Sarah said nothing. Doing a search of the house, they ran into Earl Strickland, Sarah's boyfriend, upstairs, who immediately told them the man in the green pants was not Dion. He was the person they were looking for. Which is like, good for you, dude. Amazing. They arrested him, later confirming that it was indeed Smith. Sarah told detectives the gang had been living there for the last few days, but they were too afraid to even come downstairs because they had guns. Dion had been arrested on traffic violations with a stolen car, a red Buick given to him by Keen. It's like, so wild how they get you on these bullshit things. Yeah. So that was why, so Dion was her son yeah. and the person he was impersonating, and he was arrested, which was why he was not currently right. at the house. Uh-huh. But he actually had, like, nothing to Thank do with God. the other crimes. Yeah. Yes. When they called in the registration, they saw it belonged to Wilkerson and went to investigate his home. The house had clearly been ransacked, and they eventually discovered his body in the back bedroom. Next to him were blazer casings. Burke said... That was the culmination of everything. We realized what we had been dealing with all along. The four suspects were interrogated separately. Keene, Smith, and Matthews volunteered nearly everything, nearly because they didn't mention the murder of Wendy or Marvin, but they also specifically were not asked about that, so it might have just been... You didn't ask me, You didn't so ask me, so why would I volunteer yeah. information? Keene was cooperative, even respectful, answering, yes, sir, no, sir. Wade Lawson said... Did, quote, did they have a... a I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Did they have like, a, like a, a history of priors, like with law enforcement? No, I felt like there was surprisingly little about their backgrounds. It didn't say whether anybody had been really like abused or through the system or what they were dealing with prior to this. I see. I actually thought it was kind of strange because I feel like with a lot of other murders, especially if it's like a white male murderer, yeah. like we really have to like go into the background of why. Why they're this way. Whereas I feel like sometimes with... People Other cases, yes. And They're just like, well, that's, what do you expect? What do you expect, yes. Yeah. Ugh. And I don't, I don't know if that's actually the case in this. I just, it's something I've noticed and it kind of maybe felt it's like that was the subtext. case. Yes. And again, they all had like strife with their parents. They weren't staying at home. A lot of them had run away from home. Yeah. And they were living in a crack den. Yes. So. so, and that's awful. Wade Lawson said, quote, it was hard to believe with his demeanor that he was responsible for these murders. Matthews, who had never pulled a trigger but often drove the getaway car, gave the most complete statement to avoid a death sentence. Oh, shit. Yeah. Taylor was tight-mouthed and defiant, demanding a lawyer. Burke said, quote, None of them showed any remorse, but at least with the other three, you got the impression that they realized the consequences of their actions. But Laura couldn't have cared less, or at least it seemed to me. Damn. End quote. Wade Lawson called Taylor a cold-hearted girl. <gasps> It had been Taylor's idea to entice Wilkerson with sex and rob him. 
though Keen did initially shoot him. Uh-huh. It had been her idea to rob the Mini Mart, and while she didn't shoot anyone, she did case the place. It had been her idea to rob and kill her ex-boyfriend, and she was the murderer that time. Perhaps the most cold-blooded of all, Keen said Taylor had watched as he put the gun in the mouth of her friend Wendy, <gasps> who was pregnant, and fired. No. Mm-mm. Because of her age and sex and perhaps her petite size, local civil rights activists saw her as an unwilling accomplice. Get the fuck out. Pressing for her release, she was transferred to a youth detention center where she was counseled by the Reverend William Head. She eventually told him about the last two victims, Wendy and Marvin, and Reverend Head informed the police. If you're wondering why they even did this, Dayton Daily News says the Christmas killers in Dayton did it clearly for the thrill. And when it seemed their own friends might turn them in, they killed them without mercy. Oh. Detective Burke said, quote, this was a game. This was for fun. They had taken these people's lives just the way we swat a fly. They wanted the violence and everything else seemed secondary, end quote. The crimes spanned December 24th through the 26th in 1992 and were known as the Christmas killings. Over the course of the three days, six people died, two were injured, and one woman was carjacked. Keen took the lives of Joseph Wilkerson, Danita Gallette, Sarah Abraham, Wendy Cottrell, and they include Marvin Washington in this list, even though, from my understanding, Smith actually killed Marvin, and Taylor killed Richard Maddox. Grand jury indicted Keen on eight counts of aggregated murder, two counts each for Wilkerson, Washington, and Cottrell, one each for Gallette and Abraham. The indictment also included six counts of aggravated robbery, one count of aggravated burglary, one count of burglary, two counts of kidnapping, and two counts of attempted aggravated murder. Waiving a jury, Keene was tried to a three-judge panel, which found him guilty on all counts. After a mitigation hearing, the panel sentenced Keene to death on each of the five counts. Damn. The Court of Appeals affirmed. Defense, and, and it's like they're getting sentenced to death for 52 cents. Fucking... $40 from the 40 place. bucks, a fucking curling iron, a coat. A TV, maybe. Yes. Like, for that. Yes. You, it, it reminds me of, have you ever seen the movie Fargo? Love Fargo. Oh, fuck fuck it's yes. so good. Do you watch the show? I do. I'm super not caught up on okay, the Okay, I'm not either, seasons. really. I've only seen the first two seasons, the first uh, which two were incredible. That's all I've seen, really. Okay. Oh, so yeah. good. But at the end of the movie, Frances McDormand says, she's like, all that for just a little bit of money. Uh, and it's the realest shit. Like people do, they do horrific things, and it's like for fucking for what? what? Yeah, for what? For fifty two cents and a fucking coat and shoes and a curling iron. Yeah, that's it's like insane. You ended all of these lives, and with that, affected all of their families and friends' lives forever. And also, just like to you be selfish, ruined Christmas for so many fucking people. Here's the thing: you don't even have to like just be on a selfish point. You're gonna be sent to whatever. Oh, the yes. death situation is whatever it's the chair. I don't think Ohio does the chair. I don't Lethal know. injection. Lethal injection for a fucking curling iron. Like, that's wild to yeah. me. This is why I'm like, for my brain sanity, they have to have been high. Like, because I just can't understand yeah. that completely sober people were like, yeah, fuck it, let's do this. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, well, this is my, my Pollyanna, everyone it's, is inherently good thing. No. That's so funny. I'm. Kind of the opposite. I'm like everyone's awful. People are awful. I mean, I think until you prove to me you redeemed yourself socially. Here's I don't I don't disagree with that. Awful. I think people are awful, but I think when it comes to like on this level, I think people are inherently good. I think when it's like real, like someone ghosting you, yeah, people are fucking awful. But when it comes to like real shit, you know, nine eleven 
brought out like the best in people afterwards of like we're coming together and that could obviously be completely wrong we're fucking running a horror podcast and reinforcing like, listen to any of us how terrible like, people what? are you know how terrible people are exactly but i just and to me i'm, like, I'm an optimist i just really believe in like the good in people and i just don't understand how People being sober can just be like, fuck it, yeah, let's murder all these people for nothing. Yeah. Not that murdering someone for, you know, $200 million is cool. Is cool. Yeah. But this is even more insane. Like, I can't justify, from an actor standpoint, like, the motivation. I'm not understanding what the motivation is <laughs> I don't here. understand. What is my motivation? 52 cents and a curling iron are not it. It's like they said they had run out of money, but like I, I don't, I would do, I would do a lot of other things before I murdered some people. Like actually having the orgy. I was gonna say, why don't you just blow the guy and then actually get some money? Like whatever, that's fine. you know. Mm, that's like, not that idea. If if everyone's consenting to the sex work and like no one's being abused, we're, like we're good. Like yeah. Your dreams, cool. Honestly, when they I first started reading, I was like, oh, okay, like obviously Keane waited outside and they sent the girls in, and I was like, dude, he was in the orgy He's too. Down like they, clown. everyone was good, no problems. It escalated so quickly. I really, I don't All know why, but it really escalated so quickly. I feel like Wilkerson told him where the gun was because he thought like, that's really what they kind of want is like, you want something that's worth money. Money, not so, a fucking curling iron. Yeah, you know, so it's like, if I iron. give them the gun, then they'll leave because they've kind of gotten something out of this. And then like, oh, not that they didn't have another weapon to kill him with, because obviously they brought two other guns, sure. but ugh. I don't know. It's one of the, I want to believe people are good, and you mentioned the whole, like, everyone bands together after tragedy. I feel like that's because it's a stress thing. Like, you went through a stress sure. thing, and that's just your reaction. Because no one maintains that. Sure. Like, we're not all fucking hunky-dory still. We're all, like, joined together. We're an amazing... Yeah, of course. I think that in our core, we're good. I hope. But then, like, our like, fucking... day-to-day in our life has, like, fucked us up, which is why we can't maintain it. <laughs> so it's like, so the, the knee-jerk is like... <gasps> Let's take care of each other. Let's band together. And then at some point, it just like goes back to like, ah, fuck you. Did you listen to my many lives and your master's quotes? Like humans are awful. We destroy everything. <laughs> We're going to destroy ourselves. Like the beasts are in harmony with nature. We're not in harmony with nature. None of that's wrong though. That's I completely agree with all of that. But I also think like a kid doesn't come out of their mom being a piece of shit. That is that's what I true. mean. And that I feel like was one of my favorite things about the crazy not insane documentary sure. is it made it very clear because I feel like a lot of people don't actually believe that. They believe that some people are born evil. Of course, because it's sexy and it sells more papers. Somebody brought up OJ Simpson to me and was just like, I mean, he was an evil, disgusting piece of shit. And I was like, he also yes, had like or, severe brain damage. Yes, I was, and I literally said I mean, he played football and had massive fucking head injuries constantly, which obviously takes its toll on your fucking body physically. So yeah. no, there's a very clear correlation between those two things. He wasn't born a murderer. Like I don't. So that's when I say that I think people are inherently good. Like you come out of your mom, yes. not a piece of shit. Yes, and that, that is like all right, life and whatever. Like. Fair. Fucks that up. That's true. And I think that high stress situations can bring out the good in people. They can also bring out the worst. 10,000%. High stress situation for me, I'm going to panic and just (laughs) yell at for no reason. Not even. I just like shut down. It's like my brain's like, you can't deal with this right now. So I'm not going to do anything. We're not going to do anything. We're going to put a pin in it. We'll address it at some other point. 
Sorry, you're bleeding profusely on the floor. I want to help you. <laughs> I really do. I literally cannot. And I can't. It's too much for me. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean. When I think people, I think deep down, people are good. And I think when you come out of your mom, you're not bad. You're good. And then life fucks you up, as it does to all of us. Yes. And it's how we go about the fucked upness and how we address it and how we acknowledge it if we do and try to fix it that I think changes the trajectory of who we become. I agree with that. Yeah. I do agree with that. But yes, lo- people are garbage. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's you're, That's absolutely true. Okay. Thank I, you. I just can't, <laughs> I can't understand why correct. they're this level. They don't, yes. I don't understand. I wanted more information. I feel like it wasn't, it did not really go into their background. Right. Enough. And the excuse of like, they just did it for the thrills. I guess I just so. don't Is think that that's really justifiable enough. It doesn't feel like it. But again, all of this just seems so senseless and with no real reason other than just like, that's we, what wanted, it we like. wanted to rob a guy. It went too far. Fuck it. We already went too far. Like, let's just We can't leave the yes. witness. But here's the thing. I could even see that one. I could even see the first one. The second one is really where you're just like, this makes no sense. You have it's no... It's the escalation of the... You know, and my mom always says this thing of the first time you do anything, it's the hardest time. Ooh, yeah. And it's after that, you're like, ah, fuck it. I already did it. And I don't know if that's what this is here. Maybe. Again, I'm just trying to find the motivation. I know. You want to know. You want to know what makes people go to this to, extent. In a way to like humanize or even just understand any of it. Because I really am having a hard time understanding any of this or why this happened. It's very senseless. I don't know if there is understanding from it really. I know. And it's or very upsetting to me. Yeah. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I did this to you. I'm sorry. It's okay. I did um, this I did this to you <laughs> and you did it to me because I asked you to do this podcast with me. That's very true. So this is actually my That's fault. That's very true. <laughs> all right. You're, I'm blaming you for all of it. You're culpable for all of it. Now. It's my fault. That's okay. Any of the awful shit that comes out of my mouth. Great. No, no. I would not do that to you. <laughs> I I was an accomplice to the situation. I let it happen. <laughs> At no point did I step in and call the police. I could have very easily stopped this and I did not. You're an accessory to podcasting. <laughs> really not the worst crime I could have been committed of, honestly. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Defense attorneys have said Keene, who was 19 at the time of the slangs, was despondent over the shooting death of his brother a year earlier. At his trial, Keene also told a three-judge panel that the falling out with his father contributed to his troubled emotional state. Which, like, yes, but I still don't believe that drives you to murder somebody for what seemed like fun, kind of. Yeah. Prosecutors described Keene as the ringleader of a group that called itself the Downtown Posse. Taylor and Smith were juveniles at the time of the killings and thus ineligible for the death penalty. Heather Matthews was indicted on two capital murder charges but was granted a plea agreement in exchange for her testimony against Keene and Taylor. Taylor, Matthews, and Smith were also convicted of murder and are all serving sentences in excess of 100 years. The trial and sentencing went smoothly thanks to a strong investigation and willing witnesses. Taylor and Matthews are in the Ohio Reformatory for Women in Marysville. Taylor will be eligible for parole in 2098, Matthews in 2132. Heather Matthews said, quote, I wanted to be like them. I wanted to do what they were doing, end quote. She's the one who's 16? She was 20, but she was the only one who didn't actually shoot anyone. Everyone else in the group actually did participate in the murder. She just drove the getaway car and was with them the whole time and knew what was happening and never stopped it or said anything. Keene was on death row at Mansfield and was executed by lethal injection in Ohio on July 21st, 2009. Seven members of the victim's families who witnessed the execution declined to speak to reporters afterward, as did Keene's attorneys. 
According to the nonprofit Death Penalty Information Center in Washington, Keynes was the 1,171st execution and the 1,000th by lethal injection mm -hmm. since the United States reinstated the death penalty. Ohio has executed 31 men since it reinstated the death penalty in 1999. His final words were, I have no words. So there you go. There you go. Merry Christmas, guys. Yay. If you thought your Christmas was bad, it can always get much, much worse. Always. Um, wow. I have not ever heard that story. Okay, good. Yeah. I was worried that was going to be a just like a refresher for everybody. Yeah, that was really it horrifying. Was, yeah, it was really dark. Senseless. I know. Just, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's just more like... <laughs> I, I felt like I got so soft last week, and I was like, I don't want people to think like I'm bitching out on the like horror <laughs> podcast. I'll go hard. I mean, and, you went. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Thank you. Yeah, it's just this thing that I'm always kind of stunned at what we won't do to each other. Yeah. You know? That's the thing that kills me. On a side note, I realized I missed a source in my story. Oh, shit. Which is the unexplained... Have you seen this TV show? That sounds super familiar. Is it on Hulu? I feel like I've it's seen it. It's on little... Hulu. It was a I believe a history show series with I William I... Shatner. I saw as the preview host. for it. Is it good? I didn't get into it. It's something. Oh, all right. I like something. You know, William Shatner, he's had <laughs> God love up. I was gonna say God bless him, all right. You know, he's had so much work done on his face that he can't even move it. So the super dramatic shit he says, his face doesn't <laughs> match up to the dramatic shit he says. He, the first half of the episode, he like stumbles out. He can barely walk because of the hypertension. He's absolutely oh wearing a man girdle. The, by the time the second half of the episode rolls around, he's literally just like in a swivel chair because it's like, I can't <laughs> even can't fucking stand, stand anymore. anymore. And that in the second half of the season, he just doesn't stand at all. He's literally like wheeling him out. They, it's not even a wheel out. It's like, boom, that he's in the chair. Like that's where we <laughs> open up. It's a show. And it's funny because I was watching it with my friend and she had seen it. She's like, this show's hilarious because the voiceover William, William Shatner will be like, did the pyramids, were they built by a bunch of slaves? Like basically he gives a super rational explanation. Or... or and some insane and shit afterwards. Yes. It's so, it's so great. Um, so I took some of the quotes towards the end from The Unexplained. So have at it, kids. Uh, I love that. It's a I lot. I love that so much. Speaking of alternate theories for the pyramids, ancient alien theories are my fucking jam. I would literally, in college, like I was a grown-ass adult, watch ancient aliens with my grandmother. That was like our fucking show. I love it. If you ever want a great drinking show, watch that, and every time they say, according to some ancient astronaut theorist, take a drink, you will be wasted by like minute <laughs> fucking five. I swear. My other favorite is Action Bronson has... I heard about has, this. Yes, has I literally a show where him and his friends get stoned and watch Ancient Aliens, and they do it in front of a green screen, so they play the show behind, behind them. them. It's a... A stoner thing. Yeah. I mean, not even. It's just, like, if you... You're not really gonna, like, pay attention. You're gonna throw something on the list. Right. It's, it's like... You're not... It's not a serious show. It's like you're not Mystery Science it. Theater. <gasps> yes, girl. Girl. Yes. Like, every Sunday morning with my dad. Yeah. It's my fucking... Ugh. Tom Servo. So good. Crow. So good. I love... I love Mystery Science Theater 2000. Yeah. I even enjoy the reboot. I think the reboot's good, too. I haven't seen the reboot. It's good. Yeah. I enjoy it. I mean, you can't beat the original because... You can't. Well, that's with everything. Yeah. You can't beat the original with anything. 
I'm so happy you mentioned that. Of course. Because I have the cutest picture of my dog in front of the TV, and because it's so dark in the room, he literally looks like he's the fourth person I in love the Mystery that. Science Series. And it's, uh, and now I get to post it because it's such a cute picture. I'm I was like, we're never, I was like, I'm not going to bring this up in the podcast just so I can post this picture, but I you brought you. it up, so. So I'm it's allowed. It. I'm on it. I love it. I don't know if you ever watched any of the Josh Gates shows. No, that's like not very Destination well. Truth. I don't think so. That sounds sort of familiar, but then I don't... Yeah. I said the same thing about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, so there you go. Right. He is like the epitome of my jam. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dream Man or just... He's just... I mean, he's up there. He's your jam man? Okay. He's up... Like, I would say he's up there. He's definitely cute. He's an archaeologist. Uh, (laughs) Right? Sold. Like, you say no more. Indiana Jones for days. Yeah. Basement flooded. He definitely has... (laughs) Some snark and sass, which I'm obsessed with. Here for it. And he's just travels the world looking for like ancient ruins and shit. And I'm like, I love this. I love, I love this it's so very, much. I want to travel the world with you and look for ancient ruins. I know. But then at the same time, I was like, but there's like bugs and shit. I'm such a city mouse. I'm so <laughs> like, it's a thing that is very, I, okay. In Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I would not be as horrendous as Willie. She's just awful. I could not stick my fucking hand in that stupid thing with all the bugs. Fuck. No. I'd be like, no. I'm so sorry, guys. You gotta die for me, though. I can't do that. No way. Oh, my God. That whole scene. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Where, you know, short round is like, oh, it's fortune cookies. And there's just bugs <gasps> everywhere. No, no, no. And he's like, you have to pull the left. No. No. And, and here's the thing. Like, being an actor, I don't watch things like normal people. So I, when I watch it, I watch it through the lens of like, how long did that take? Who did that? What were they paid to do that? Like, this is like what's running through my head when I literally watch anything. Um, it, it's a lot. It's a ton of fun to watch yeah, like, everything. It like ruins movies for you. It does. It's just a different perspective. It's a, it's the industry You also can't turn it off. I'm so. Exactly. Like, what are you going to do? So, and I was like, if that were me, I was like, one, I would absolutely have to have like a hand double. Do yeah. That. I was like, there's no, no, no fucking no, way I would no. stick my, like, there's no amount of money you could give me to stick my fucking hand in all of that in The Last Crusade, which is the best Indian. <gasps> Have we talked about the first no, one? No, you have my fucking favorite one. Oh, Girl, stop. The dog's name was Indiana. Oh, I love it. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So I switched my story, and I was originally going to do a story that had a, a roundabout connection to the Knights Templar. Mm, okay. But what have been about it? I mean, Not same. that I didn't enjoy your story. I no, same, but then it was like, this wasn't actually a miracle. So I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> like, damn it. Damn it. But so apparently the scene where Indy and Elsa are running through like underwater crypts. Oh, with and all the rats? They had to genetically make the rats special for, like breed them special for the production <gasps> so that they didn't have fucking diseases. Wow. So that if they bit them, they wouldn't like get the fucking bubonic plague. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you know that there are uptown and downtown rats, like distinctive in New York? Like there is literally like Midtown doesn't really have that many rats. And then like the rats in uptown have a certain genetic profile. And then like the rats in downtown have a certain genetic profile. It's like two separate, distinct. This is like the Billy Joel song, Uptown Girl, but it's Uptown Uptown Rats. Yes. Uh, Um, My favorite Billy Joel song ever. (laughs) I went to Fair. go see, I mean, fuck, I went to go see Billy Joel, a friend of mine gave me an extra ticket to go see him, and it was great, it was 
he's one of those people that you're like, oh, I don't really know that many Billy Joel songs. Oh, uh, so you like, fucking do. And then you listen to it for three hours. You're like, I knew 95% of those. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this was enjoyable. Great. He's great. He's great, uh, you know, showman and musician and all the things. I was like, mm, that was enjoyable. And then in the encore, when he came in with Uptown Girl, I was like, Ooh. fuck yes. I'm living my best life right now. their shit, I'm sure. I don't even know. I just knew <laughs> I was losing my shit. This is a very personal experience for me. Not worried about anything else. It's Madison Square Garden. Being like, fuck yes, Uptown Girl. Yes. Billy Joel is playing this for me right Very now. specifically. Yes. I love that. I so love good. that. Back to the bugs, because I've always been watching Survivor. I, <gasps> and, ev- and everyone that watching Survivor is like, I could do this. I think I'd be good at nope. this. First of all, I don't like spiders, and every other yeah. little like cutscene, whatever stock footage they use, is a fucking like tarantula, <laughs> like God. walking like in their shoe or some shit. And I'm just nope. like, no, 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 no. I always think I can do it, and then I remember I'm a wussy little bitch, and I can't fucking be. I, in I'm very aware of where I stand on all of this. <sighs> I'm I'm coming to a clearer realization of yeah. There's there's a fella that I've I've had involvements with who's very into camping, and he's very wanting me to be part of this camping. Experience. Experience. Camping's fun. I just don't like why would you do this to me? I'm like, this is so terrible. I'm like, we can go when you hotel. go into the woods, you either find a skeleton or you become the skeleton. Like, I don't understand. Like, th- there's an episode of Modern Family where Claire and Phil go camping, like, for it's some like thing with like his college buddies. And the episode starts with the, the trip has ended and they're going onto the plane. But one of their tickets has been upgraded to first class. And the other one has is still in coach. So Claire is like, I am sitting in fucking first class. Fuck you. This was terrible. And she sits next to Natasha Leggero, <gasps> who is goddess divine. Incredible. I can't Amazing. even handle it. She's so fucking good. She's incredible. And Claire tells her, like, I have just spent the last three days in the woods. And Natasha Leggero says a statement that speaks to my soul in a way I can't even express. She goes, if I've been in the woods for three days, it's because I've been dead for two of them. <laughs> that is me. I'm not surviving survivor. I am, I am a city mouse. I can't do any of this. I can't like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> I, I don't blame you for that. I don't blame you for that. It's totally fair. Yeah. I enjoy camping, but because my camping experience has not been any bugs crawling on me. So I think that's why I'm like, oh no, it's nice. Like you're just in a tent, build a little fire, go on some hikes. No, no. It's great. I'll do a, a glamp. Park. I'll glamp all day long. I mean, I love glamping too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to be like, no, I want the dirt. I want to suffer. I want a, a spa, an, an indoor plumbing. No, Johnny and I did a month-long road trip Get across the, the U.S. Out. and we camped for like eighty to ninety percent of it. And you didn't, you didn't break up. We did not break up. We actually <laughs> laughed because it seemed like everyone else was like fighting and having the worst camping experience, and Johnny and I were just like, would smoke a joint and just like go hang out. And we're like, I'm That's having the a secret. Great, like I'm having a great time. Like I don't know what what everyone else's problem is, but this is great. We did almost freeze to death in Zion National Park. Oh my god, it was beautiful though. I saw the Milky Way. It was amazing. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I just... Just know. I understand. I understand. You know, and, and it's just a thing of... I keep... I don't know if it's an opposites attract situation, but I keep getting involved with men who are just like the complete opposite of me, and they want to expand my horizons and shit, but I just don't like, want to no. do it. No. Like... My horizons are good. Like, top three irrational fears. One of the top three is being attacked slash eaten by a shark. That... It's irrational. <laughs> I'm fucking aware of that. I know. You don't need to tell me that. You I'm aware. You grew up in Miami, though, and I feel like it's that's a, a thing fair... that you heard all yeah, the time. I feel like that's fair. And, you know, I had an ex whose family had a house on in the Cape, 
And okay. on the regular, like it'd be like the week we were gonna go, it'd be like, oh, the great whites were sighted there. And yeah, I was like, why are you doing say. this to me? Why are you doing this to me? You know, even just being on the land and them being out there is a fucking problem for me. <laughs> why are you doing this? Uh, statistically, very I understand. No, I st- this I irrational fear. Yes. I understand it's the definition of I irrational. I know this. I know the statistics. I know being in a car, you're gonna die more than being eaten by a shark. But and I am always the person when I find myself in a really precarious situation. The first thing that runs through my head is I cannot die this way. Like this cannot be. Yeah, no. On my death certificate, no. and I can only imagine the, the thing that would run through my head, I'm certain if I was being attacked by a shark, it's like, this is how the fuck it happens. And this is how it's gonna end up on my goddamn birth certificate. Not my birth certificate, my death certificate. And mom would just be like, fuck, like how did this happen to me? Because I went swimming in a cold water. That's also why you don't go swimming in cold water. Cause they I, like the cold water. Great whites do. Yes. I feel like bull sharks are actually the ones you really need to worry about. Yes. Because those are like the fucking fuck sociopaths. Yes, yes, fucking yes. sharks. Like, they don't fuck around. I would not be caught dead in cold water. To be perfectly honest, and I know this is fucking ridiculous, Florida ocean water is too cold for me. And it's like 70 fucking two degrees, which is apparently amazing. And so nice. like, my Same. shower is like a hundred and fucking four when I run it. I swear. You are speaking to my soul right now. I completely agree with you. I was in the Keys not that long ago, and the hotel I was staying in had a heated pool. Yes. But it was not heated to, like, oh, it bath water. Was... Oh, yeah. It no. was heated to, like, 75 like or something. A normal. Mm. Someone was, like, watched me. And I am that person that I don't jump in. I, like, do, like, the, like, toe, yeah. inch by inch, like, that it's 40 minutes to get. I'm ridiculous, and I understand this. Someone was watching this. This guy was watching. He's like, is it cold? I'm like, no, I'm just a baby. I'm aware. (laughs) I know. I have a very acute level of self-awareness. I know that I'm being ridiculous, but I'm just hyper sensitive and feeling to all of the things. I totally get it. I learned to scuba dive in Florida and literally in a wetsuit in Florida. And you're freezing. Freezing. I had chills and goosebumps the entire time. And all of the instructor could say was like, these are the best conditions. I've never had the water be warmer. Like, this is Stop amazing. It. And I was just like, the whole time, like, I'm so fucking cold. Like, I'm just so cold. No, nah, man. I, I feel <sighs> you. I feel you so hard on that. So, no, I'm not here for it. <sighs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. I hope you had a great holiday. Is New Year? No, New Year's isn't. New Year's now. Shouldn't be. Not yet. I don't think. Pull out the calendar. So. It's... It's New Year's is next. Not this coming Friday, but the following Friday. No, but this will have dropped. But okay, so happy yes. New Year, guys! Happy New Year's. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. We're gonna catch Fingers you twenty twenty one. It's gonna be amazing. Positive thoughts. Positive. Exactly. Positive thoughts. Positive energy. Um, wishing all of you guys a great remainder of twenty twenty. Thank you so much for listening. This is so, even though I, I complain and about people being terrible and why are we doing this to ourselves, this is like the coolest job in the world. And it really is. And you guys listen to us, so we're able to, to keep it going. And we're gonna keep doing shit as long as you guys keep listening. So it's amazing. Please follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pinup Girl Mo. 
can find me at Lobotomy, that's Lobot period Amy. Please send us your creepy stories, true crime, cryptid, ghost, alien specifically Aliens. for Amy. It was Jonesing, please. Amy, Amy wants the fucking alien. I want it. I will accept a DM, but we would prefer if you emailed us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out with the show with advertisers and getting uh, a lot of visibility. You guys are so fucking amazing. Have an amazing remainder of your 2020. Be safe. Be safe. Out there. In this big crazy world. Yep. We'll see you next year and keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.